Hey, this is Garland Bilbo with my wife, Beverly, and we want to extend an invitation to you to come and be a part of our church. We have a wonderful time. We're teaching the Word of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe that God has miracles for us today. It's not just Old Testament and not just of the old, but the Word says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you need a miracle, if you need to understand the Word of God on a whole different level, we want to invite you to come and join us. You know, we have a passion to reach out to those that are hurting and broken and bring restoration and healing to them. But we also have such a passion, as you were sharing, about the Holy Spirit because we want people to know that the Holy Spirit wants to work miracles, bring deliverance to you and yours today. It's, as as you said, not just a thing of the past, but He's moving today, the Holy Spirit speaking today. And through our ministry, we're reaching out not only to the adults, but we have dynamic children's ministries, wonderful teachers who have a passion to pour into your children. Come and join us, come be a part of what we're doing. Bring those that you love so they can experience the Holy Spirit on a whole new level. So we want you to come and be a part of us. God bless you, and we'll see you at Praise Church. Boy, this morning, I believe, was very powerful. And so, you know, this past week, you know, God is, you know, he says, I'll confirm my word with signs and wonders. And, uh, you know, it's the little things that matter to God. You know, in my neighborhood, I I pray over my neighborhood all the time. And I say, you're not going to have crime in here. Come on. Come on. You're not going to have a tornado coming here and ripping up homes. Come on. Come on, listen, where you live, you need to decree and declare the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? You need to start taking authority. We don't take what the world is just putting at us. We need to take authority and take over it, amen, and say, you know what? This is God's place. Come on. Just like Joseph was anointed and he was in Pharaoh's uh, in kingdom and e- Egypt prospered. because It wasn't because of Pharaoh, it was because of Joseph. And I believe that that's what God calls his people to do. And so, you know... We're around the time where a lot of people are celebrating the devil's holiday. And so at the beginning of the neighborhood, it was like this 14-foot grim reaper with this big red lights. And it was just demonic. And, 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 and Bo was starting to get scared. And we came home from church Wednesday night, and he's asking all these questions. I'm like, Bo, Jesus ain't worried about that thing. It's just plastic. He can just, boop, knock it over. And I said, and then I saw the torment on my child. I said, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to have my kids close their eyes every time they come through the neighborhood. So I just pray, Lord, take it out. The next day, it wasn't in the yard. It was in the garage. And then now it's not even the garage anymore. And I, and I like these people. I have nothing against it. But you know what? I said, Lord, take it out. That thing broke. That thing broke. And I'm like, all right. So Friday, <laughs> I'm crazy, y'all. I'm, I'm just going to tell y'all. I'm, I am certified crazy, but it's all right. I'm crazy for the Lord. Friday, had to run to the other church, and I was coming back home, and they were putting up more stuff, all kind of people. I'm like, oh, y'all getting it now. So I, I got the shofar music out, boy, and I just started pulling up in front of people's houses, acting like I'm checking my cell phone and just letting that music play. And I said, boy, we just going gonna to blast. And I know some of y'all Christians are like, why are these people carrying around these ram's horns? It is 2022. We're not living in the first century church. 
But let me tell you something. You better like that shofar. Because the voice of the Lord is like that of a shofar, and it's that shofar blast that's going to call the church up to heaven. And if you don't like that sound, you might be stuck here. So if you want to live in the tribulation, complain about it. But as for me and my household, we're going to tag team back again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I thought about breakdancing up here a little bit, you know, but we'll save that for another Sunday. Y'all not ready yet. Oh, man, and we just talked to our pastors, and I'm going to tell you, I told them they're in trouble. You know, this is the third message I preached in the last two weeks. I had the last two Wednesday nights and this week, and I said, I said, I woke up this morning acting like my mom. You know, my mom used to tell me in high school, you just always run in the roads. You ain't never home. All you do is sleep here. And I said, boy, these people need you, pastors. Where y'all at? Y'all ain't been to Gonzales Church on a Wednesday night in two weeks, and y'all missing this Sunday, and you leaving the church to Bethany I? Y'all crazy. Because we're going to stir it up. We're going to stir it up. And so yesterday morning, I woke up at 6.30. I mean, I guess I can say I'm officially old. Because I slept in the 6.30 on a Saturday morning. I mean, you know, can't even make 7 o'clock anymore. It's like 6.30, and I'm getting up, and I'm praying. And I knew Beth and I were scheduled to speak for a long time. And I just said, you know what, God? If your prophetic word's not coming tomorrow, I ain't going. I did like this. I ain't going. I said, if you're not going to send angelic presence, come on. If you're not going to have the fire of the Holy Spirit, if, you're, if your presence is not coming tomorrow, I ain't coming. I don't care. I'll call somebody. Hey, you preach. Hey, you get up there and say a word. I ain't coming. So I prayed. And then... And my rest of the household that's still young were sleeping. And, uh, you know, I got up and I went on my run. So I ran to the back of my neighborhood and I was coming up back by my house. And all of a sudden, man, about 25, 20, 25 feet high from me to the sound booth, running to my neighborhood, here comes an eagle right in front of my face. And if you don't know, you should know, but eagles represent the prophetic. It's a sign of his prophets. And I'm like, okay, God, you're talking loud and clear. I know that's a sign for me that my presence is going to be here. So I just pray today that the Lord will speak to us prophetically. Not just a word, come on, not just a Bible story. Not just a, just a meeting of Christians, but I want the prophetic Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, fire. Lord, I pray that it, as Bethany and I minister today, O oh God, that your fire will come forth, O oh God, and that every person would have a touch, whether, whatever the situation is, God, that your fire will fall in here, in this place. You know, we are in the most interesting times. I'm going to go back one year, and I know some of you are like, well, why are you going to talk about that? Because we need to. One year ago, well, in two days it'll be a year. See, tonight, I don't know if you know this, but tonight at 6 p.m., we enter in a season called Rosh Hashanah, 
which is called the head of the year or the feast of the trumpets. It is the Jewish New Year, and it starts this evening at 6 o'clock. And it will go for the next 48 hours. And then in the next week, we will enter into a place called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And these are the high holy days that God has established for Israel. Yes? And so tonight, I, look, I'm just going to tell you, I am expecting big things to happen over the next few days. I am expecting things that are going to shock us. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Because God tells us in his word. And I believe that this year, well, I'm going to get to it. I believe that this year you are going to be astounded by some of the things that happen. So a year ago, I'll, I'll read it. A year ago, I was sitting where Bo's blue tablet is. And it was one day after Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to read it to you. This was an email I writ, wrote, written, all you teachers. I made C's in English. A's in mathematics, but C's in English. So if I'm not grammatically correct, it'll be all right. God speaks through donkeys, amen? So if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. September 21st, 2021. I wrote this email. I was sitting in that chair. I was looking in the congregation. There was a decree in the land the day after Rosh Hashanah ended last year that in order for you to have a job in a public company, you would have to get vaccinated. That was September of last year. And I was sitting here and I was watching you worship, people in this room worship. And I knew there were many in this room that didn't want to get a vaccination. And, and, and you say, well, I got it. That's okay. That's your choice. I'm not against people getting medical choice of their own choosing, but I am against forced, forced vaccinations. For we are supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. And if you want to make decisions for yourself, do it, but don't make me do something that I want to do, and don't make another person do something that they don't want to do. So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, people are facing unprecedented pressure on them, and my heart was broken, and this was, last, this was one year ago, and the Lord started to speak to me, and there's a whole point that why I'm going to share this, and I'm going to go through it, but the Lord started to speak to me, so I wrote an email to the Elijah list. And the Lord said this to me, and I'm going to read this email to you because there's something in this for this time and this season, and it's, going to, it's been a journey. Excuse me. It's been a journey we've been, we've been on, and I believe that we're going to see some fulfillment of this in our life. And so this says, The decree in the land shall not say, and on September 9th we saw an announcement of a mandate to force vaccinations across the land. This has never happened in our history. The mandate comes at an interesting time as... Failures have been happening in our government, and it comes a day after Rosh Hashanah. As a bivocational pastor, I sat there and pondered what type of impact would this have on our nation. Given my business background, I understand things like supply chain. I understand that if people don't have, they don't want to get something, they're not going to go to work. And if you want Chick-fil-A, you're not going to be able to get it because there's no one to gather it, there's no one to deliver it, there's no one to cook it, and there's no one to serve it. 
This is what we were facing. Do you understand? This is what we were facing. This Saturday, a fall announcement, I rose to pray. And during that time, the Lord took me back to a scripture, and I want you to hold on to this, because there is a lot of crazy confusion right now. I think my wife said something so beautifully this morning. She said, there are many of the prophets are hearing in the second heaven. Listen to me. They're listening to the fear of the enemy. There was one this past week that came out and said, turn on your emergency broadcast. Go get weeks and weeks of food and water. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to discount it. But then I said, Beth, I've got to pray, and I want you to agree with me. Do we need to do that? And I never felt a peace. And I believe what is happening is that many of these prophets and prophetic voices have been listening to the plans of Satan. But I'm going to tell you what, people of God... We're going to be in the ark. It doesn't matter what happened. We're going to be in the ark. We're going to be protected. We're going to be provided for. Everything is going to be taken care of for God's people. And so the Lord took me to Psalms 37, 18 and 19. This is a critical verse that I have leaned on in all of my Christian life when I have anxiety about provision. He says, the Lord knows the days of the blameless. He knows. He knows our days. He knows the number of hair on our head. Now, for me, it's easy. There's two. I'm just kidding. I don't even go get a haircut anymore. I just do it myself. <laughs> but for some of you, you have a full head of hair. He still knows the numbers of hair on your head. And their inheritance will be forever. And they will not be ashamed in a time of evil. Come on. In the days of famine, they will have plenty. Come on. In the days of famine, we will have plenty. I don't know how everything's going to shake out. I know that they're saying food factories and all this stuff, and there's going to be global food starters and all All I know is that God said that it doesn't matter. In those days, my people will have plenty. Come on. You could cook the turkey, and then you can make a turkey gumbo because you have some left. And then guess what? You can go ahead and pack it up and send it home with some of your family because you got plenty. And so that's where my faith is. I'm not digging a hole in my backyard for a bomb shelter and putting six years of food back there. No, I'm going to stand on the word. Come on. That he has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. And I believe that God is going to provide for his people supernaturally. And while I'm, I'm not against being wise, there's also a level of fear and uncertainty that people just grab. I mean, they got this whole show called Preppers. I watch it sometimes. Just as, I mean, these people got things. I'm like, my gosh. If you would put as much into helping people as you do prepping for the apocalypse, the world would be a different place. <laughs> And so after, I'm going to go back to my email. I said, I felt a sense of peace. The Lord was reminding me that in the days of famine, we will have plenty. And the next day, I'm sitting in church while my wife is giving announcements, and I just started to pray again, as now I could see people in the room whom such a decree would impact their lives greatly. And I heard the Lord say this. He said, as in the days of famine, so shall it be with this decree sitting right there in that first chair. In the days of Haman, a decree was made because Haman was filled with rage that Mordecai would not bow down and worship him. And so he plotted to annihilate all the Jews. 
You can see that in Esther 3.5. And when this decree was made, this person slammed their fist in anger. On a set, and he said, we have been patient, but our patience is running thin. You know who I'm talking about, and you know what was said. As believers, this is really key right now. As believers, we should not be surprised by these decrees and changing laws. Listen to me. In Daniel chapter 7, God gives us the enemy's playbook. He says this in 725, and he will speak against the Most High. The enemy's always speaking against the Most High, and he's always accusing you. He stands before God and accuses you. You did this. You did that. How could you call yourself a Christian? Do you know what you did? Yeah, I know what Peter did too. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Come on. Come on. Peter, he denied Christ three times. He said, I'd, go, I'd die for you. He said, Peter, before the sun rises, you're going to deny me three times. And yet he went to him and said, feed my sheep. Christ wasn't mad at him. Christ was trying to get him to lay down the emotional wound that he had developed from the decision that he made to become what God had called him to be. Christ is not mad at you. It doesn't matter if you sinned in this second. He's not mad at you. He's already paved the way to forgive it. What he is trying to do is get your attention and redirect you to what he has made you to be. And he said, and he said, and the most high is speaking against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest ones. He will intend to make alterations in times and in law. This is what the devil does. He tries to speed up the time. He tries to bring things forth that it's not yet the time. Look, we are not in the season of having to have a mark to buy or sell. Period. We are in the season of harvest. Listen, we are in the season of repayment, and I'm going to talk about that, and it will make sense. We are not in the season of being locked down and putting a mark on our arm and our forehead or chip to buy or sell. So he's always trying to shake up the times and he's always trying to pass laws. Because see, you don't, the, the, in the legal realm, if the enemy can pass certain laws, then it changes. So with Esther, a law was passed, signed, stamped with a signet ring. And it was the official word that all the Jews would be taken out and collected and killed. It was already law. It says, the enemy of your soul fights by wearing, this is what I wrote, the enemy of your soul fights by wearing you out, changing laws and times. I believe the time has been shifted, but I am calling on, this is me writing, I am calling on the intercessors to pray to restore back the time in the correct place. We are not at the time of being marked to buy or sell, but the enemy is using people and situations to push forth an agenda ahead of its season. We, listen to me, church, we can reorder the time back to the right alignment in prayer, but we must do so as a global, united body of Christ. 
And here we go. And so the Lord, as I'm writing this, I'm sitting right there. The Lord spoke really loud in my spirit. He said, despite all of this, the decree in the land shall not stand. So on 921 I wrote this email of what I got the revelation the week before. And then we saw an overturning of this on January 15th of 2022. It was only eight months ago, but it felt like so long ago. As I further prayed, the Lord said, he started to highlight to me, and this is where I'm going to get excited, and this is why I chose to share this email with you. The, the Lord said, he started to highlight to me about Esther. See, in the days of Esther, the decree was made, and the people of God went into prayer and fasting to overturn this unrighteous decree. You can find that in Esther 5, 1, and 3 below. It said, now it came about the third day that Esther put on her royal robes. Come on, we are a royal priesthood. Come on, Esther got up and she understood who she was. And she said, you know what? I'm not going before the king as a slave, girl. I'm going as the queen. And she put on her royal robes. And stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite of the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Esther the queen... Standing in the courtyard, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther his golden scepter, which was in his hand. And so Esther approached and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, what is troubling you, Queen Esther? Now this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, for Esther is a foreshadowing of the body of Christ. For the people of God have been praying and fasting. And the Lord says, you are now beautiful in my sight. Be encouraged, church. We have prayed. We have fasted. Come on. We have obtained favor or beauty in the eyes of the Lord. And now he is extending his golden scepter, which means purified justice to his people. And the decree, even though may sign, and I wrote this I mean, four months before they ever met. Vaccine mandates and passports are not in the future of the United States of America. I share that with you, one, because it's something significant that happened, but two, I believe we are still in that season of the golden As the bride of Christ, come on, we have taken off our raggedy garments. Come on, we have been prayed. We have purified ourselves. And now we are in our royal robes. And we have the attention of God Almighty. And he is now extending gold. They say gold is uncorruptible. You know, gold is pure. That's what it represents. And scepter decrees righteousness and justice. And God is now extending that scepter to the church and saying, what can I do for you? Isaiah 45, verse 11 and 13, it says, This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its Maker. Concerning things to come, do you question me about my children? Or give me orders about the works of my hands? It is I who made the, heaven, uh, the earth and created man on, on it. My hands had stretched out the heavens. I have marshaled up their story hosts. I will raise Cyrus up in my rightness, and I will make his way straight. He will rebuild my city. My exiles will be free. 
but not for a price of reward, says the Lord Almighty. See, as we're in this season tonight, as we enter Rosh Hashanah, I know that we don't understand Hebraic culture, but it is so key. Listen to me. God moves in times and seasons. He moves in times and seasons. And there is an appointed time. There are the logos is the written word of God. But then there's the kairos, the, the, the appointed time or season of God. Listen to me. And we are in a kairos moment. I don't know you don't understand this, but Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. Okay, he is still the high priest. So Jesus lived through the Jewish festivals, and so they matter. There's not, there is a reason why this is called the Feast of Trumpets. I'm going to go ahead and tell you theologi- uh, from a theological standpoint that this is the season in which Jesus Christ was actually born. He didn't come in December, just so you know. He came in the, he came in this, the fall fest in the seasons of Yom Kippur and, 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 and uh, Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because it is the season of trumpets. It's the head of the year. It is everything that God does. Jesus was born in the time of what we call harvest, when the harvesters are out collecting the grain. The only reason we got to this place is there was a guy named Constantine who was the emperor of Rome, of Rome and the first church operated off of the Hebraic calendar which is a lunar calendar, but yet everyone else operates off the solar calendar. And so I'm just giving you a lesson so that you understand. Now, I still celebrate New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, so don't think I'd unflip the wig, but I understand what it means. There are certain things like the Festival of Purim is about the story of Esther, and that is a season in which God, you know, they celebrate to remember that God delivered them. They were close to being wiped out the entire nation. And that's a bad deal because we were grafted into the promise of Abraham. Listen, we're not tied under Moses. The law came through Moses, but truth and grace came through Jesus Christ. And Jesus came through the lineage of Abraham, not Moses. So we are heirs to the promise of Abraham. Am I making sense? Okay. So listen, this guy named Constantine gets saved, who was a Roman emperor in 300 AD, 300 years after the appropriate birth of Jesus Christ. And he declares that Christianity is the official religion of Rome. So when that happened, the calendar changed from the lunar to the solar. And, and, and that's when Christmas and Easter and all these things started to be developed in the body of Christ. And so God uses all things, but I just want you to know that there's something special that happens in the, in the, in the season of Rosh Hashanah. So check this out. So the user don't believe me. In the year 5780, which would have been our year 2020, it would have been August of 2019 or September of 2019 to August of 2020. Okay, in the year of uh, Pei, which is 5780, the Hebrew. uh, So let me explain this so you understand that the Hebrew year is not the Hebrew language. And the Hebrew numbers are not like the English, okay? Let me give you an example. I can say I love my wife, and then I can say I love pizza. Not the same, right? I I hope I don't love my wife, but I like pizza. You know what I mean? Because I'll devour pizza. I don't need to devour her, you know what I mean? (laughs) But in Hebrew, there's different words for love. And so, but in English... We have one word. And so it's very different. And so you need to understand. So in the Hebrew alphabet, 
the numerics are matched one to one. And so this is what I want to get to so that you have an understanding of the times and the seasons that we're in. The year 5780, which I just talked about, was August or September of 2019, all the way to the, the following fall the next year, was the Hebrew year 5780. That 80 is the Hebrew al alphabetical number or symbol for the word pay, P-E-Y. The word pay means mouth. So in March of 2020, during the year of pay, the year of the mouth, we have a virus that's trans or spread by the what? The mouth. We have a world mask. Coincidence, right? So in the year 5781 is the year shin, which means teeth, to press, division. <laughs> so that would have been... The fall of 2020, which would have been our election. And it would have been when the mandates started coming out. Uh, and, and, and you started having to, and people started saying, well, are you vaxxed or you're not vaxxed? And that word, that year of time meant division. And I'm going to tell you, as a nation, we probably were not so divided since the Civil War. Let's be honest. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. You was either on this side or that side. You was either vaccinated or not vaccinated. And if you wasn't vaccinated, they wanted to kill you. And if you were vaccinated, they wanted to kill you. I mean, it was bad. And, and, but the Hebraic word for that time of the season meant division. It meant to press. And, and, and it meant teeth. And I don't know if you know this, but teeth has to do with relationships. Go to the Song of Solomon's. He starts writing about her teeth. It's about relationships. So that was a time of division, a time of struggle, a time of relationships. And then 5782 became the year tithe, which means T-A-V, which means the truth, the markings, the passports. You can't come in here if you don't have a car to eat. I'm just telling you, I don't think all of this is coincidence. So tonight, at 6 p.m., we will enter officially the Hebraic year in the United States of 5783, which means gamil, which means retribution, which means recompense. It means to be repaid, to be repayment of things that have been done wrong. And so we are entering a season, come on, where things are going to be laid bare. And the truth is going to be known. And whatever has been stolen from you, it is a time of repayment. Listen to me, church. It is a time of repayment. I, I, I'm not just up here. I, I, like I told you, I'm not coming to speak if God ain't here. Listen, I would not get up here and tell you that it is a time of repayment. You are going to see things over the next few months that are going to shock you. The people of God are going to get repayment for the things. Come on, the church, the, the world has been laughing at the church. Where is your God? I'm going to tell you where God is. He's been behind this thing the whole time. The best way I can describe it is, and I'm going to get Beth to come up in a minute. The best way I can describe it is, anybody know the Alamo? You know, the story of the Alamo? You know, uh, General Sam, and then General, they, you know, they lose, and then General Sam Houston raises up an army and takes out Santa Ana, and we annex Texas from Mexico, and it becomes one of the states. When Sam Houston had an army, he kept telling them, move move and then they would get settled down and he would get up and move 
And they were getting so restless. They were getting so mad. His generals were coming to him and said, Sam, if you don't turn and fight the Mexicans, you are going to lose your whole army. And he would just look at them. Break camp. Let's move. And finally, one night, they cornered him. And they said, Sam... We're about to have desertion in the whole army. We have to do something. And he said, let me tell you a story. 20-something years ago, Napoleon was fighting Wellington. And Napoleon starts to invade before an alliance of nations can come. And Wellington, outnumbered, outmanned, kept moving his troops and every time the enemy would get come, he would move them again. And then they would come and he would get move them again and come and get move them again. Knowing that a, such a large and vast army takes a lot of resources to keep moving and to keep moving and to keep moving. And then came Waterloo, the Battle of Waterloo. And at that moment, Wellington chews the battle scene and he splinters that French army and takes out... Um, Napoleon, and he said this, he said, I do not consider myself Wellington, but General Santa Anna considers himself the Napoleon of the West. He said, I don't know the time or the day, but as we move, the Mexican army is being splintered. Now listen to me, I'm going to revert that, there's a reason I told you that, I'm going to revert that back to spiritual Christianity. God has been calling his church to move, and to move, and to move. And to move. And, and the church has been frustrated because these prophets are saying all this stuff. And we're not seeing anything of it like coming past. We've just been hearing this word, but, you know, we've been hearing about this great day. We've been hearing about this revival. And all we feel like we're riding around in zigzags through the desert, back and back and forth and back and forth. And we've got this one saying this and this one saying that. And none of it's adding up. Right? And the people of God are starting to say, where is God? And I'm going to tell you this, God has been moving us, not in a straight line, but side to side, zigzagging, 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 zigzagging until an appointed time. Listen to me, until an appointed time. And we are about to have a spiritual Waterloo. He has been setting up this season and this time, and he has been allowing things, and he's been allowing the enemy to overplay his hand time and time again but notice he has kept us always in front and has not let us be overcome but watch the waterloo a spiritual waterloo is coming where the tide is going to turn in the instance and when egypt when pharaoh thought he had all of israel trapped <laughs> he split that sea he didn't need two miracles he delivered them and he killed the enemy all with one miracle and, the, and, and uh, this is the last thing I'm going to share. The Lord told me this morning. He says, For the Lord says, The house of David shall be strengthened, and the house of Saul shall fall. See, Saul represents prideful, self-consumed leaders. Yeah. Wow. Taking the best for themselves 
and neglecting the servant's heart as a ruler. Do you know that we are supposed to be servants when you're a leader? You're not to bring out all this stuff to collect unto yourself, but that's what Saul did. God told Saul through the prophet Samuel to kill all the enemy, but he didn't do it. He brought the king for his entertainment. He kept the best of their sheep and their gold and all that stuff, and he disobeyed God. And so Saul represents the self-serving leaders, people that just, that, that just put oppression on people so that they can live. And I'm going to tell you what, that, that those types of leaders God is about to deal with, and those that have a servant heart, he is set apart for this time. They are going to be risen up. Listen to me. If you don't think some of the system's broke, I just want to say this. How can someone that makes $150,000 a year, that's what the senators make in D.C., by the way, become multimillionaires? I just want you to know, there has been some self-serving going on, and it's enough of that. All right, and so God said that that's the time, and so here we are. This is what, what can I do, what can I, what can I do? The difference between David and Saul was this. Yes, I know that David committed adultery, right? But who was without sin? The difference between David and Saul is this. Saul went to a witch because he couldn't find God. He couldn't hear God. He went to a witch and asked her what he should do. And David went to the Lord and he said, oh, create me in a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in with me. Do not cast your presence from me or take your Holy Spirit from me. Rejoy me to the, uh, restore me to the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I believe that's the place the church has been in, O God. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Come on, we should have joy, church, in our salvation. We shouldn't come in here and be tired. We shouldn't come in here and feel all, you know, I'm getting off the stage. We shouldn't come in here and feel all tired. And Man, you should have joy. You should have joy in salvation. There should be strength in your bones. Amen? Come on, it's like rise up, sister. Rise up, man of God. Rise up. But then he says this. Once you restore that to me, I will teach sinners. I will teach transgressors, and I will teach them, and I will bring them back to you. And I believe that God has been restoring his church. He's been giving us the royal robes of Esther. He's been pouring out his beauty upon his church. You are beautiful in his sight. He's extending the golden All we have to do is take care of his house. He will take care of everything else in your life. Yes, praise God. Powerful, powerful. We received that, the day of reckoning. Amen? I woke up this morning, I was getting ready for church, and, and the Holy Spirit said, this is a day of reckoning. And I was like, wait, what exactly does that mean? And I had no idea what he was going to be sharing about. And I, I said, hey, what does that mean? He said, that means, it means judgment and repayment. He said, and that's where I'm going today. I said, oh, wow, okay, it's the Holy Spirit just, you know, speaking that, but I'm going um, in my portion, and don't worry, we're not going to be here all day, um, but it's Acts 20, verses 7 through 12, and for the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and start reading it as you're turning there. Um, it says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Somebody say Midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, 
who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Anybody been on the service where they just talk on and on? All right. So Paul is talking on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story. From the, he fell out the window from the third story to the ground, and he was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. See, Paul's sermon was, he preached the longest sermon on record. In fact, commentators say it was between six to ten hours. But I have to say that, you know, aside from Christ, one of my favorite um, is, is Apostle Paul because he was so radical. Like, I have to just believe because of what, hey, Mr. Radical, I'm sorry, we're coming in from preaching Gonzalez, coming here, I don't even get to say hi to everybody, so hey. But um, anyway, but yeah, he, he's got to be one of the most radical preachers that you've ever been in the presence of. Even though it was six to ten hours, I can't imagine, I'd be on the edge of my seat because I know that it, it had to be a very engaging sermon, but the reason why. I believe that he was taking so long is because he knew he would never see them again. So he was trying to impart into these people everything that he could before he would leave. And then lo and behold, we didn't know that there was going to be a death and a resurrection in the same service. I guess everybody was awake after that, right? <laughs> and so that's what's going on. But you know, when a move of God breaks out, time stands still. And you can be in service for hours and it feels like only minutes because you're in the presence of God and you're receiving everything that is in the atmosphere. And, and that's when a move of God takes place. But I want to talk about midnight because midnight is very significant in the Bible. In fact, 14 times in the Bible, you will see the word midnight. We know Paul and Silas, what? It was at midnight that they began to, because of their praise, you know, because of their worship to the Lord, they were set free. Amen? And so, but in this instance also, that it was at midnight, something begins to happen. You know, in the natural, we look at midnight as hopeless. You know, maybe we struggle with depression. You know, people, you know, that are dealing with, it seems like the enemy wants to come at night, right? And uh, it's the freaks come out at night, but it's the enemy that comes out at night, right? And tries to keep us from having that peace that we can rest in, in, in you know, and rest in, in the Lord. And, and that's when a lot of it comes. But midnight in the Bible is significant of breakthrough. Midnight in the Bible is significant of God demonstrating his power. And, and I want to tell you this morning that the God has sent me here to tell you that your midnight hour is about to be a time of breakthrough. That God is about to move on your behalf. You may be in a place that that midnight hour has been, you know, for years, days, weeks. I don't know. The situations that are going around you that seem hopeless, that seem like, how, how am I ever going to get beyond this? But God wants me to tell you today that midnight means breakthrough. That midnight means that God is about to move on your behalf and demonstrate his power. You see, we see that in this passage that we just read. It was at midnight, not only chaos happened, right? Hopelessness happened, but it was the miracle that took place in a resurrection. And God wants to resurrect some things in your life today. God wants to show his power in and through you today. It was at midnight. You know, it's at midnight hour that breakthrough happens. And I believe that we are in the season right now of midnight. 
That's where I believe that we are in the body of Christ, that we are in a midnight season and God is about to show himself with power, with power. So just watch and see. God is up to something. God is about to demonstrate his power and show up in your midnight hour. See, Eutychus was a young man. He was seated in the window and he fell into such a sleep that he fell out of the window, down three stories. He's dead. You know, and he rep- his name means fortunate. And that buddy, he was fortunate that the apostle was there, right? He was fortunate. That, and so, you know, and he was fortunate that he was under the covering of an apostle to resurrect him. You see, it's important what covering that you're under. There's some disciples that are occupying a position of an apostle. We, need, we are in a time in this breakthrough season, for breakthroughs to happen, we need the apostles of God to rise up because we need to raise up this Eutychus generation that's falling out of windows and dead. You know, Eutychus sits in church disenchanted, not engaged, not expectant. They are lethargic and, and, and they are not hungry for revelation. The revelation does not move them. Y'all, this is the generation that we have right now. And it's requiring you and I to rise up and to demonstrate God's power in the midnight hour. That's what you and I are to do. And, you know, we see this with the Apostle Paul is that, you know, he stopped that on and on sermon and he went and dealt with business. And that's the thing. That's what's going to get this Eutychus generation awake is to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate his power. And then they are ready to receive the revelation. You and I need to be challenged, and I want us to be challenged, to challenge myself to walk in that level of power that we see signs and wonders. Christ said greater things in all these, all these miracles, everything that I've done, you are to do even greater. What a challenge that is to us. When was the last time that you were in a grocery store and the Holy Spirit began to speak to you to pray for the person in the checkout next to you? Or, you know, somebody gave you, uh, you know, uh, that you were supposed to lay hands on somebody, the sick, and see them recover. When was the last time? Or were we just worried about what people would think of me? Rather than, because it's going to take, it's not about you. And it's not about what people think about you. It doesn't matter. It's, it has to do with our passion to, to see this generation raised up. You see, uh, you see the um, Eucalyst, what is that? Okay, Lord. We only got one cup of coffee this morning. We were trying to hurry from the, so I'll just blame it on that. But um, they are, this generation is unmoved. They are unmoved. They're lethargic. They're weary. No expectation. And so the church, y'all, we are in a breakthrough season. In the midnight hour is not a, a time to get depressed and discouraged and hopeless. It's to understand oh, it's midnight hour. This is breakthrough time. This is when God is about to move for my family, for my children, that my finances are going to turn around, that my health is going to turn around. It's in the midnight hour that God shows up. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, don't be discouraged. Tell him, say, it's breakthrough time. It is breakthrough time. Amen. See, this generation continues to fall out of the windows of churches. And many never are resurrected because they were under the authority of a disciple and not an apostle. So we have this generation that's falling and they're dying. Because we have disciples. We are all disciples of Christ. But an apostle knows which gift 
to operate in, what's the appropriate gift to operate in at the season that we are in? That's what the Apostle Paul did. We need to operate resurrection. And, and that's what we're seeing. You know, the disciples are students. Apostles are the ones who, like I said, they know what, what to operate in, right? And so um, that's where we're, okay, so let me skip down because I got all kinds of stuff, but we're going to skip down. Um, oh, okay, here, okay, I'm sorry. If you're not, if you are going to fall, fall in the presence of an apostle. That's going to get somebody before you leave. That if you're going to fall, it's best to fall under the covering of an apostle because an apostle is going to know what to do. You know, anyway, I thought that was pretty good. Somebody going to get it. During seasons of exhaustion, make sure you're aligned with those who are not only talk about miracles, but they will love you to life. Amen. During seasons of lethargy, make sure you're under the right covering. You know, who you are feed who a table that you you're eating off of is very important what umbrella you are under is very important because you know god god is the ultimate covering but he in his law and his structure biblical structure is to have have a covering um like under a church under um you know and and to stay in that church amen and to have commitment not to have a breaking a covenant breaking spirit right and and to to stay and to feed and to be you are protected when you don't have a covering you are unprotected so the enemy can come at you and you don't have a covering that's going to ward off and and help you and, and resuscitate you right so covering is important. Anyway, uh, going to my next point is, as I was studying, preparing this um, message, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about power outage. Now, I know that well, there's been rumors and whatnot about stuff, depending on, you know, what about power outage. But I want to talk about spiritually a power outage, because that's where the church, we have been experiencing a power outage in the church. And I begin to look, there's three different ways of a power outage or what the causes are. One cause is natural causes. The second one is overload. But the third one I really want to highlight is human error causes a power outage. Human error. You know, God always has the power. Even when you may not feel it, he is the power source. And in the electrical community, or whatever you want to say, since I am not, my dad is an electrician, electrician but I'm not. I should know all this. But in my research, it begins to talk about how that, the, that there is a, when there's an outage, the, it means that there is an interruption between the power generation and the supply of electricity. You and I supply the power to give it to everybody else. But in the church, because of human error, there has been an interruption of the power, of the demonstration. So we see Eutychus falling out the window. What are we going to do? Because we have an interruption from the power to the supplier. But we are in a day and time where the season is shifting, the season is changing, it is midnight, and we rejoice because breakthrough is here, and we make a decision today that we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to operate through us, that we are going to supply the power, amen? We're going to mend, we're going to repair that disconnect, amen, and allow God to use us. A uh, few more things before we close and open up the altars uh, for any of that would want prayer today, but three, there's interesting that just in these few verses, three um, is, is very significant. He fell from the third story. 
Some commentators say that Apostle Paul was preaching to these people about the third heaven. Well, if you understand about the three heavens, the first heaven, just real quick, is in the natural, right? The second heaven, as Joshua was sharing earlier, is where Satan dwells, where he speaks. And then the third heaven is where God speaks. That's the one I want to hear from. So he is equipping the people of how to hear the voice of God and, and to operate in his power. And so the, anyway, interesting. But when you look at three in the Bible, you're like, okay, why are you doing all this? Well, all of these things, it is important to do a, a study because it makes it applicable for us you know, in what we're dealing with. But three means complete. It means whole, like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're whole. They're one. Um, three is a number of resurrection, just as Jesus was resurrected on the third day, okay? So three is very significant, and it's great. It's a, a powerful um, uh, definitions here and meanings here, and uh, that's what we see, you know? And so God wants us to not hear from the second heaven. He wants us to hear from what his voice is saying, what he is saying. Uh, and, and so let's talk about the resurrection. Is that interesting that this is the same exact thing that, um, I'm sorry, Elisha did when Elijah and Elisha, when they were resurrecting the dead, this is the same thing they did, is they would stretch themselves out on the dead. And that's exactly what he did, what Paul did. He stretched himself out, and, and the word begins to say that he, he actually hugged him. He hugged him. He loved him to life. And the word, as, as in the verses there, it says that because of Eutychus being resurrected, the people were comforted. So demonstrating God's power is going to bring comfort, amen, to our community, to our family. Come on, there's so many people that are dealing with grief, that are dealing with anger, that are dealing with suicidal thoughts, that are dealing with depression. You know, the suicide rate is just, wow, like it's, the, it's, it's huge right now. Why? Because the church has, has had an interruption of the power. And it's up to you and I to demonstrate that power, to raise those who are dead of this generation. And then from there, as a result of God moving and we seeing his power, then our community is going to be comforted. Come on, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. God wants us to demonstrate his power, and he can use you. He wants to use you. He wants you to, to use you now. Oh, well, I'm going to do that when I get all this fixed and I get. No, he wants to use you, and he wants to use you now. So what other, whatever excuses that we're going to make up, it's really irrelevant because God wants to use you now to operate in his power. Amen. I just want to challenge you. I know that Pastor Josh is challenged, but I want to challenge each and every one of us today to, to be determined that we're going we're gonna to raise the Eutychus generation up and that they will, as a result of the power that then they're going to be hungry for the revelation because the power is what causes the hunger for the revelation. We are, need to be like the church of Acts, actions. That whole book is about the actions. Paul, he had an action because of the, the death. We need to be active. We need to do things, reach out to the hurting. And um, we're going to open up in prayer, but before I do... Um, there's somebody in here today 
that I've been having the, the worst headache. I don't get headaches. I know it's the Holy Spirit. That's how he speaks to me. He, he will, I will like, you know, like the spiritual hypochondriac, you know, feel like whatever somebody else is dealing with. But horrible, horrible headache. I even have it started last night and then today. And I know that it's somebody here, and I want to pray for you um, because this is what's so awesome about the Holy Spirit is that he will reveal things because he is going to heal that individual that's dealing with that. Who is that today having trouble with headaches this morning? I want to pray for you. Amen. Others of you in here, you've been having terrible back pain right here is where I'm, I feel it, like in the center, in the base of my back. It almost feels like you're going to, like it's catching and you're just going to fall. And, and I want to pray for you. Who is that? It was back there. Would you come up? And we're going to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing. You also, others. Um, and, and yes, and as they are coming up for healing, they're going to receive their healing today. Amen. Um, I, we also want to open up the altars today for those of you who feel like you are in a midnight hour, that you are overwhelmed. You feel like you're overcome by the enemy. You feel like you are surrounded by darkness and you just need somebody to come in agreement with you and declare over you and over your situation that this is your breakthrough hour. This is your breakthrough season. Amen. Anyone else? Um, and, and Pastor Josh, anything else did you want to say? No, I just, you know, if you want to jumpstart in your walk with God, if you've been stagnant, I want to invite you to come to the altar, too. You know, I just feel that, you know, we've got to be in a place that we're, we're, we're hungry for God. Amen. We've got to be hungry for God. And, uh, you know, it, it, I'm going to tell you, I'm just a, a passionate person, right? I just who I am. So I was going to be all passionate for the devil. I was going to be all passionate for God. But there's just no halfway. Bethany's the same way. And, you know, if you want to jumpstart what you got with God, your relationship, you know, just come, come get some. Come get fed. You know what I mean? You know, just stir up the gifting inside of you and just allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. I mean, we are living in days that are crazy, and you need the direction and the voice of God in your life. So I just ask that, and, uh, you know, we're going to come and pray. If we could get some music in the background. You know, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the online audience just in case something comes out. But we just thank you for joining us today. Uh, Pastor, we'll be back next Sunday. We hope this word has blessed you. Uh, we'd love for you to come out and to be part of our services. And God bless you. We'll see you soon.